Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Company Computer Guy. Mr. Company Computer Guy. You are the ruler of the RAM, the guru of the gigabyte, the monster of the memory. Show me the way. When we screw up the boot up, you are there. Without you, computers would megabyte. Megabyte. The countless hours we spend surfing the internet and accidentally stumbling upon porn sites would instead be spent working. Working for the man. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, Mr. Company Computer Guy. For it's you who keeps our logons logging and our hard drives hard. You gotta see this porn site. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, here we go again. We've had an interference on the, uh... Is that the missing bandit? That's Mark Anna. Just George Pratt, Frank Howard, a number of others. With all the security in this ballpark, many of it was Secret Service people, local police for the vice president. She somehow got through. Uh, Bob Hope enjoying it. <laughs> the, the commissioners are having a meeting and Bob Hope's <laughs> laughing. That tells you something. <laughs> Look at Hope. <laughs> Uh, he's got about seven lines. He wants to get a microphone and deliver them, and I don't blame him. And here comes the 2-2 pitch to Edgar Martinez now. And the fastball swung on and hit the deep center field. Buddy Williams goes back and it is. Get out the line, Brett, and the mustard this time, Grandma. It is a grand salami. And the Mariners lead it 10-6. I don't believe it. My, oh, my. From high atop the Robinson Gearing Studio Complex, Straight out of God's country, Pauly's Island, South Carolina, the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network proudly presents Backwards K Pod. And now, here's the host of the show, Jake Robinson. Good moment, baseball universe. What is up? Once again, back is the incredible, the pod animal, Jake the Snake Robinson from the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network. I'm coming out of Pauly's Island, South Carolina, half man, half podcast machine, back in the Captain Kirk chair, shields down, photons up, prepare to engage on this week's digital audio bonus shortstop pod that I call Backwards K-Pod, where we collect ballplayers and their stories. Surprise, Seamheads, what's cracking? What's juicing, you freaks? I love keeping you guys on tilt. It's your boy, Jake Robinson, with another BKP ambush, a bonus pod to let you guys know. Look, I'm always taking a ways to quench your never-ending 
baseball uh, thirst here. Hello, everybody. Now, I know some of you right now are a little confused, and you're like, yo, Snake, what gives? You said the next show was the Higo. Well, never fear. He's still in the way. I- I'm just taking a break from the the Higo research. I still come through on Tuesday with that banger. I promise. But I had an idea. And to be honest, I'm a man who reacts. I, I get an idea in my head, and I act on it. I- I'm not one to put ideas on the back burner. I get an idea, and if I consider it as a good one, I jump right in with both feet. Otherwise, <laughs> you know, seriously, I might forget it by the morning. So I'm sitting around, and maybe it's because my beloved Orioles are looking like they're 1970s winning selves again, but I've been thinking a lot about baseball as a kid lately, and the spectacle that it had become in my life. And the one thing the game lacks nowadays that it had back then was characters. And when I see these guys now, I see a lot of multi-millionaire corporate players worrying about a brand. And very rarely coloring outside the lines in relation to, you know, their connection with the fans and their respected cities. And it almost solely has become all about the cash. And God bless them. I ain't hating, for real. Do your thing. Make that Skrilla. But there is a piece of my selfish fandom that yearns for so much more. And when I was a kid, you had characters in the game. You had the mad Hungarian relief pitcher Al Herboski pounding the webbing of his club and snarling at batters late in the games. You had Mark the Bird Fidrich, who would literally build sandcastles on the mound and talk to baseballs. You had Psycho Steve Lyons, you know, pulling his pants down at first base and dusting off the dirt after sliding. Howard Cosell was in the booth pissing off half of America. Reggie Jackson was the straw that stirred the drink in New York City. The beautiful game was given balance and it was all often, you know, offset by, you know, the charms and sometimes villainous personalities the game had to offer. Through, you know, sheer personality and charisma. And not coincidentally or by chance, the game was much more ingrained than even the Ferris Weather fan back then because it always had great water cooler banter going on about these larger-than-the-game characters. Well, today, I just wanted to come through with the story of one of the biggest characters in the game back in that era. Wasn't a player, wasn't even a man. So, if we can clear the platform, looks like the catcher is ready to come down, get this pod started. I'm calling all aboard. And let's get this BKP time travel choo-choo back on track, ready to roll, as I'm going to set our time and destination for 1969 Crosley Field, Cincinnati, Ohio, where... Something unique is about to take place that will mark the beginning of one of the most endearing traditions in not only baseball, but eventually every popular team sport in our great country's conscience. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I just thought I'd mosey on out here and add the story of Morgana, the kissing bandit, to our little collection here. Now, as you can be, as you can see, and please be careful stepping off that train, please. Here we are, 1969. 
Uh, Neil Armstrong is set to take his one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind on the frickin' moon, folks. The Woodstock Music and Art Concert is set to jump off in upstate New York. And look, look, look. Please, please don't eat the brown acid, folks. Okay? If you do this, you know, this time travel adventure that I'm getting ready to take you on, it's going to get really fucking weird. Do not eat the brown acid. And, yeah, look, if you did eat the brown acid, despite my warnings, look. Look at the TV to your right. It's Sesame Street. They're talking puppets, dudes. It's going to change children's television forever. Just sit there and watch that. You know, rejoin us when you come down from your peak. 1969 is also the grassroots genesis of what would become later, you know, a baseball tradition. Like, you know, literally it came streaking through our baseball universe and into our dream uh, team's ball yards. And... If you were at the right place at the right time, you might just catch a glimpse of this baseball anomaly. Morgana the Kissing Bandit or Morgana Cottrell Roberts is set to make her mark on the game today and become a true baseball legend. She became a baseball fan after her grandfather took her to a game in her hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. She was disowned by her mother as a mere toddler. And virtually pretty much just left in her grandparents' laps to be cared for. At the age of 13, she runs away from a local Catholic boarding school with a friend. And she moves to the mean streets of Baltimore, Maryland. Where she lives, you know, this rather rough kind of homeless life for a young teenager. Uh, She's eating out of trash cans. By the age of 17, she becomes a... You know, this exotic dancer at a gentleman's club after lying to the owner about her age. She has a child now and she needs to make money. And she becomes really popular. She she becomes not only known for her dance and beautifully endowed upper body, but she is quite the comedian and entertainer as well. I mean she <laughs> she wore a ten gallon hat on her very bosom breast, which, you know, if you're keeping score at home, uh, you know, I did the research, she wore an eye cup and bra size. And her stage name was Morgana the Wild One. Which leads us here to, to today, nineteen sixty nine and beautiful Crosley Field in Cincinnati. This place is amazing. I do have a Crosley Field show in that banging ass catalog show of mine. If you haven't heard it, by all means, check it out on all available platforms or diamondsnakejake.podbean.com. And uh, Morgana, she's you know she's in the stands, close to the field, with a couple of her other you know two other attractive friends, and many of the Reds players have definitely taken notice of these chicks, right? Well. All of them except Pete Rose, who in his own aloof way, I, I don't know, maybe these chicks are too old for him. It's, oh, anyway, uh, you know, look, he's way too focused on how he can go three for four today, you know, to even worry about broads. And Morgana's friends, they bet her $5 that she won't run out on the field, approach the Red Star, and give him a kiss. So... Undaunted and somewhat miffed that Rose hasn't noticed her, she quickly climbs over the railing and makes a beeline sprint towards Charlie Hustle, who's playing center field on this day. So, a starter Rose 
looks at her in confusion at first, and then he says something, and then a wide, uh, you know, this wide smile appears on his face as she begins to tell the hit king how much she likes his ballpark pranks that he advertises on the television. Ah, what, what, what. Now, Rose is really smiling, right? So, oh, you, you like my pranks, huh? That's right, Mr. Rose, don't be alarmed. She walks up to him, and she kisses him on the cheek. And now, Pete is really confused. Well, what the hell is going on here? Who, who is this chick? And just as quickly as she had appeared in front of him and made the revelation about his wieners in her, you know, cute little double entendre ways there, the beautifully big-breasted woman was gone, climbing over a fence, high-tailing it up the steps, and then lost in the sea of humanity. And Rose is in center field of crossing, and he's literally stunned. Morgana returns to her friends to claim her $5 reward for her daring exploit. Now, Rose recalls, before I knew what was going on, I could feel an arm going around my body, and I'm ready to swing on somebody. But then I noticed this beautiful young girl, and, you know, she tells me she loves my hot dogs. And I tell her, she's going to get in trouble for being on the field. She says, well, I sure as hell hope so, Pete. You're worth it. She kissed me, and just like that, she was gone. She didn't, you know, actually get evicted from the game that day or in any trouble whatsoever. The next day, a Cincinnati sports writer dubbed her as Morgana, the kissing bandit, and a baseball legend was born. In 2019, Morgana had a slightly different recollection of the Rose Kiss as, at first, Pete was, you know, spun around and he saw her and he said, You fucking crazy broad, are you out of your fucking mind? She also recalls how, you know, Charlie Hustle tracked her down the club later that night to apologize and offer her a dozen roses. She would go on to kiss numerous professional athletes over her career, including NBA, NHL, and NFL players, mascots, race car drivers. I mean, she did it all. The bandit had a tendency to seek out the best of the best players of that era as she offered up her smooches to guys like George Brett, Calvin Jr., Steve Garvey, Len Barker, Johnny Bench, Don Mattingly, as well as a whole host of others. And there's even a picture of her attempting to kiss slugger Frank Howard on display at the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. And when she gave... Renowned bachelor and Major League Coxman George Brett a kiss on the cheek in a game versus the Orioles at Memorial Stadium. She remembers how he found her on stage in a Baltimore strip club three weeks later and he returned the kiss. I'm sure he did, that sneaky bastard. On April 9th, 1980, she decided to attend the Houston Astros season opener against the Dodgers as her next target was Texas legend, Nola Ryan. And that first game in itself offered some intriguing scenarios in the context of the baseball that was being played at that time. It was a pitching matchup of two very talented aces looking to rebound from a mediocre 1984 campaign. Nola Ryan was coming off a dismal injury play 12-11 season with a 3.04 ERA and a mere human-like 197 strikeouts in 183 and two and a thirds innings pitched. His opponent on the bump that day was Fernando Valenzuela. 
who himself, you know, he labored to a 12 and 17 record in 1984 with a 3.03 ERA, 240 strikeouts, and 261 innings pitched. And the game also marked the return of Astro shortstop Dickie Thon, who was making his way back from a horrific injury he suffered the season before when pitcher Mike Torres inadvertently fractured Thon's orbital bone around his left eye with an air pitch that struck him in the temples. The game was also the backdrop for the 20th anniversary of the Astrodome's existence. The pregame ceremonies included Mickey Mantle, who had the first home run in the Dome's history in a 1965 exhibition game. It also featured Olympic badass Carl Lewis, who threw out the first pitch. I hope he did that much better than his, uh, you know, attempt at the national anthem a few years later. And Morgana, she didn't wait long to acquire her target. In the top of the first, she hops the rail and runs towards Nolan with the Texas fans hooting and hollering. The bandit, in all her curving glory, is making her way to the Asian. All of her endowments are jingling with every step. I mean, it's fascinating watch. And the very much introverted and game day serious Nolan, he spies her running his way. And he gives us a glimpse of his playful side. He drops to one knee on the mound. He looks up and he spreads his arms, flashing those jazz hands like, you know, he's fucking Al Josen over here prepared to belt out the song Mammy. And he begins to yell, hurry up Morgana, the cops are right behind you. She gets to the mound, she bends over to give the steel dealing uh, Ryan his reward smooch. And then she ran over to Thon and gave him a kiss as well. A doubleheader for the price of one, folks. And after that, Morgana, she runs to the Dodgers dugout where she is arrested by Houston's finest for trespassing. The game resumes, and the fireballer Ryan sets down the Dodgers. One, two, three. Thon let off the bottom of the first for Houston and received a standing ovation before grounding out to third. The Astros would eventually win that game 2-1. to one. Now, following her arrest, Morgana's lawyer, Richard Racehorse Haynes. Yeah, it sounds reputable, right? He argued that his client had no intention of trespassing, but you're on it. She was leaning over the railing when gravity attacked. The weight of those glorious IC cups, tits, you know, they, they caused her to fall in the field of play. And once she was on the field, Your Honor, panic took over. You know, and well, you know, she ran to the friendly faces of Nolan Ryan and Dickie Thon to help her in this most embarrassing moment. I mean, look, folks, I'm no law major, but that sounds like a pretty logical fucking defense to me. Your Honor, if Sir Isaac Newton was present right now, I'm sure he would agree with that, right? You just can't beat the law of physics. It would have been interesting to hear the judge's thought on this defense, but the case never made it to court as the DA dropped the charges at the behest of the Houston Sports Association, which ran the Astrodome, which was fortunate for Morgana because, you know, she was facing a $1,000 fine and a six-month jail term. In total, Morgana kissed over 40 pro athletes. She was arrested 19 times. Suffered a broken kneecap, tailbone, three cracked ribs in the hands of some of these overzealous renicops. She retires to Kissing Bandit in 2003. 
and even had breast reduction surgery. Instead of the kissing bandit, she prefers to be called Ma Cottrell now. And she is a proud, loving, beautiful grandmother. Still lives in Columbus, Ohio with her husband Bill and their dog Bella. And she still gets fan mail and autograph requests daily. Her goal is to live to be 200 years old without ever looking a day over 100. She is still quite the baseball fan who still loves her hot dogs. She's earned millions of dollars off her fame. At one time, she owned her own minor league baseball team. And she would actually, you know, visit these rival stadiums to kiss players and boost attendance throughout the league. When she wasn't earning thousands of dollars a week as a name-draw exotic dancer, she would make public appearances at events and conventions, and she even appeared on the late-night TV show Circuit with Johnny Carson and David Letterman. And she posed nude for Playboy magazine. Now, look, you guys know I'm a man of research, and I did my due diligence here. She's got a fantastic layout, the June of 1983 Playboy issue. If you want to check that out, it's quite riveting, actually. I give it two thumbs in. Uh, er, I mean, you know, two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Go check that out. She was also in the <laughs> April 1985 and September 1989 issues as well. Very nice and tastefully done, if I may say so myself. Everything is nicely manicured, by the way. And look, I'm still kind of a sucker for naked chicks with like the big 80s and 90s hair. <laughs> I really am. I just go back to my teenage and young 20s, and, and hey, that was kind of my thing. <laughs> I am you guys. You don't try, you know, don't try to make me feel awkward. I know all of you dudes in this dysfunctionally functional family have weird fetishes too. Let's not pretend like I'm the only one weirdo here. I can so hear you guys goofing on me right now. <laughs> so look, I'm going to end this right here. Our little bonus shortstop pod. Thanks for checking out that show. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed telling it. And I'll try to be better this Tuesday with Martin DeHigo. But look, that's another story for another pod here at Backwards K-Pop, where we collect ball players and their stories. You can email the show, backwardskpod at gmail.com. The show's Twitter handle is at back underscore K underscore podcast. My personal Twitter page is at jrobbie1. That's J-R-O-B-B-I-E and the number one. You can find our content on Instagram, YouTube, under the Backwards K Banner. Or you can always find me hanging out with the fans on the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network Facebook private group page. Answer the questions and come on in if you like. Backwards K Pod is available on all platforms wherever you listen to your pods. Or you can visit my website, diamondsnakejake.podbean.com, to hear any of the shows in my always expanding Baltimore archives. If you're on a platform that gives you the opportunity to rate and review my performance, please do so as you see fit. I ain't scared. I do what I do when I do it, and no one does it better than me. I promise you that. Rate some review. You know, that just raises my profile to Google search, and it helps me find the, you know, helps me feed the dog. And I ensure, you know, 
It also ensures that I can continue doing the one thing I truly love in this world, and that's opine the seams with this audience. I will never charge you for the baseball content here at Backwards Game Pod. No Patreon, no Twitch, no pay-to-play crowdsourcing. I'm just going to keep coming through every week with that free baseball smoke. Keep that shit consistent like hottest Wagner. And that's not just some tagline. Look. I mean, seriously, look. Look at that banging-ass catalog we're amassing. We added Morgana, the Kissing Bandit. And let me tell you, I'm just getting started. I have so much more in store for you freaks. So head on a swivel. Be aware. The snake could jump out of the bushes at any moment and bite you. Parents, if you see your kid sitting on the couch, looking bored, AF, they got their noses all up in their phones, by all means, take him or her outside and play a game of catch. Thank y'all for coming out. God bless and win the day. And like my dude, former Red Sox beast, Shay Hillerman told me in our one-on-one interview from last year, you go to hell, Andy Pettit. See you on Tuesday with the Martin DeHigo bio. You seamhead freaks. Peace. This is Big Tex, Gage Geek, executive producer of Backwards K-Pop. In Texas, we do everything big. After football and golf, there's probably nothing I love more than going fishing and enjoying a good crawfish boil. The only thing I dislike about going fishing is the lingering odor it can leave on your hands afterwards. Well, the Fish and Hand Cleaner is an all-natural liquid soap perfect for overpowering fish and bait odors from your hands. I can't tell you how many times I've eaten steamed crabs, lobster, shrimp, crawfish, and then washed my hands with regular soap, only to touch my eyes half hour later, and my face begins to melt off due to the damn Cajun no Bay spices. Well, we also have a hand cleaner, specifically formulated to use after eating shellfish and other seafoods. Perfect for cleaning spicy, smelly hands after a Texas-sized seafood feast. In these cases, don't settle for anything less than our crawfish hand cleaner, our crab hand cleaner, or the fishing hand cleaner. An ingenious trifecta of natural hand soaps developed and owned by a disabled Navy veteran. He and Jake had a true connection as they were boot camp shipmates all the way back in 1989. So he is family, folks. And one thing we do here at the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network is look out for family. So you can support two grassroots companies by two former shipmate Navy vets. Crushing big bowls of shellfish or fishing on the banks of your favorite river while you listen to BKP. Sounds like a great day. You know, in fact, hey, Mom, where are my poles? I'm gone fishing. There's also a buffalo wing hand cleaner in development as we speak. To check all of the incredible products of this great company, you can go to www.crawfishhandcleaner.com or call the home offices at 713-588-0290. That's 
1-800-242-0290 to support the grassroots company that supports your grassroots podcast show. That's crawfishhandcleaner.com or 713-588-0290 to prepare for your summer time shellfish feast or that fishing trip you're planning. crawfishhandcleaner.com